Beginning the Trek, a 52-episode introduction to Star Trek. Shall we get started? Let's get started. Hello, everybody. (laughs) How are you, Jessica? I'm doing good. How are you, Andy? I'm doing good, too. I'm doing good, too. I am excited to get to this week's episode, The Naked Time. Me, too. And talk to you about it. I was extremely excited from the episode title. And, well, yeah. (laughs) This this one ended up being not one of my favorites. Really? Yes, really. (laughs) Oh, interesting. uh, I had a lot of problems with this one, so I've got a, I've got a lot to say. <laughs> okay, good. I'm, I'm dying to talk to you about it then. All right. So if you're listening, this is we're going to be talking about The Naked Time. And if you haven't seen it, stop this now, because we're going to spoil everything, because I have a lot to say on the subject. That sounds like you got it pretty much covered. Yeah. Now you have to tell us what it's all about. Spoil everything, Andy. Okay, so I took your 10... Sentence challenge to heart. Cool. So here goes. Um, The synopsis of original series episode, The Naked Time. Commander Spock and a young officer, Joe Tormolin, are investigating a frozen science station on the disintegrating planet Psi 2000, finding everyone there dead and literally on ice. The environmental suit protects Joe from harm until he removes a glove to scratch his nose, and then he becomes infected. Meanwhile, back on board the Enterprise, Joe's virus has remained undetected, even though there were spooky rattlesnake noises that were playing every time we saw him. (laughs) Joe laments being in space, gets super depressed, and gets into a fight, then falls on his own butter knife, spilling out his own blood on a surprisingly blue tunic, and also infects Sulu and Riley during the scuffle. With Psi 2000 breaking up, the orbit will be a tricky one, so it's important that the crew be ready to react, and everyone seems extremely confident, taking a what-could-go-wrong attitude. Rattler's shake as the now-infected Sulu gets hot, takes his shirt off, and runs around the ship with a sword, while Riley adds the apostrophe O and the title Captain to his moniker, becoming Captain O'Reilly. Captain O'Reilly musically commandeers the engineering department and shuts down everything, causing the Enterprise to spiral down to the planet, destined to crash. One by one, the crew is infected, and we get a glimpse into their unfiltered thoughts and feelings, until Dr. McCoy finds the cure. With no other choice, they take a 1 in 10,000 chance of cold restarting the engines, which works, throwing the Enterprise away from the now-pulverized Psi-2000. And then there's this moment where they go back in time three days. Well, because they did, and it's not really explained here, but it feels more like a setup for the future story, which it probably is the end. Very nicely done. Thank you. Thank you. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun to do. Cool. Okay, let's talk episode. Okay, I have to start off with uh, some of the great things that I thought. And one of them is I've, I've been doing a lot of looking at the costumes and I've mentioned it in other stuff too. But this episode started out with a guy I don't remember and Spock on a planet in hazmat suits that were like glittery gold. So it has to be said that like glittering gold, sparkly hazmat suits. I love them, uh, but they are a little ridiculous. They looked like they were made... From shower curtains or something. Yes. This was my first time seeing Zulu. And I have to say, I love him. 
like more than Spock right now. <laughs> because having him uh even just walking in the for the very first time walking in having the thing it was just it was a delight to see George Takai Takay Takay I know that there's a Takay there's a correct way to pronounce that George Takay so. is is the actor George who Takei. played Hikuru Sulu ah, wow I can't even say it Hikuru Sulu Sulu yes spelt with an S not with a Z that's correct S U L U yeah I discovered. Oh, right, I you know it's it's so funny. I just you really kind of need to hear about all of it sometimes. And his character gets to do some fun stuff like that throughout the series. But that's certainly a favorite moment for a lot of people, of course. I mean, when he comes dashing out with the sword like a swashbuckling hero, it's so lovable. And thank God, because in this like tortured, dramatic, everyone's emotions are on high. He's just the kid who got put in detention who's running wild. And it was it was really fun. That was really fun. Enjoyed that. Awesome. <laughs> I, I, I did too. I, I I and there's a couple of things I want to talk about with him. Why don't we just get Yeah, to it? do it. So so uh one of them takes place when he's got the sword on the bridge. And he's come up on the bridge, and uh, he's waving it around. Kirk jumps over the rail. That's the first time I've ever noticed that William Shatner actually jumps over the railing to get away from him. It was a cool move. Uh-huh. Uh, and then he sees Uhura. But he, he pulls her over, and this mm-hmm. is literally one of my favorite moments in all of Star Trek. He pulls her over, and he says, I shall save you, fair maiden. She says, sorry, Neither. <laughs> not fair, not a maiden. Oh. I've always loved that moment. It's And it got missed. I completely missed that line. It, it was one of those things that would have gotten missed or that got missed by the uh, by the censors of the time. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to point that out for people that missed it. It's a great moment. I thought there were a couple of times. Yeah, I didn't even catch that. I I thought she had said something like, Oh, get away, or I'll save myself, or something like that. And I noticed her body language was like, get off of me. Uh, but it's in the middle of the fight. I, I wish I would have heard that more clearly. And there's something else that will, uh, that I'll probably talk about later on that I think could have been given a little bit more emphasis as well. Okay. Cause we were talking about, this is the first time, if you're following along with me, this is the first time I've gotten to see Sulu at all on the show. He's said, Captain, it's ready, or things like that. But this is the first right. time he's had any thing to do, Re- any real participation. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this was, and he gets to do some fun stuff. <laughs> it was really awesome. Thank God for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. This was also the first time anybody's died. So, yes. And I don't know. Yes. He had on a black shirt, so I don't think it counts. This whole red shirt thing. <laughs> well, actually, he had the black shirt on in sick bay. Yeah. Uh, but he puts on his uniform shirt, which is blue. And I know you're you're referring to the to the pop culture reference of the red shirt. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, right? the trope. So for those of you who are so new that you don't even know what that is, and it's possible there are people listening who don't know what that is. The 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 trope is that if you wear a red shirt and you're not one of the series regulars and you go on the away mission, you're not coming back. Um, and so far, we haven't seen that. We saw this guy who puts on a blue shirt mm-hmm. kill himself. Sort of. And then he- Like he shouldn't have died. Right. He stab- He gets. He stabs himself. He was trying to, and then in the sh- scuffle, he he stabs himself. 
and it turns his blue shirt kind of red. Sort of. Also, that blood was not convincing. (laughs) I tried to make a joke out of it, and I couldn't find one. (laughs) I couldn't find a good, boy, that red shirt, blue shirt, one shirt, two shirt. I tried. I couldn't come up with anything. He turned it purple? Uh, His name was Joe Tormullen. Um, We didn't get to know him very well. Uh, No, I didn't. I didn't think he was going to die because he was in sick bay and it w- didn't look like like it looked like he shouldn't have died. Even the doctor was like, I don't understand why this is happening. Right, right. Well, and he just gave up. Oh, well, yeah, they said that. Oh, that's right. He gave the virus was amplifying his natural his his will to give up his will to and give up. He'd, he'd always been a self-doubting person. Exactly. But and it had and always been like under it. the surface. Even Spock mentioned, I don't know why it. It bubbled up so quickly for him. Right. Um, Spock might may, maybe should have said, hmm, he was just on the planet. Maybe there's something going on there. But he was the one that did bring up that he's always had self-doubt and he just didn't know why it popped up so quickly. So Spock there you does, go. Yeah, Spock does give us that moment where we all, we as the audience all know, we're all very aware that this is the – thing that seeped into the guys like, it wasn't it wasn't hard to figure out with the scorpion noise happening every time they rubbed their hands together oh yeah the audience was constantly aware of who was infected very so, so that's a piece of storytelling i i kind of like the way that they they built the problem up mm-hmm. you know you start with with spock on the planet with this this is like nothing we've ever seen before. So now we know we have a mystery to solve. Um, but that's it. And then through the next, you know, you, you see Tormolan get the virus and then you see the effects of it on him. And then you see Sulu get the virus uh, and then Riley. And then he takes it to, to Christine. Meanwhile, we're, we're seeing the planet does, you know, breaking up. And so we have to be reacting and our reactions are getting slower, which is the premise of the whole show. You know, people are going to start having the virus, and then we're going to have a problem. Right, right. It wasn't hard to figure out where this show was going. No, it was not. Uh, and I was, I was surprised that I called it from last week. I was like, "This is about a virus," and and it was. <laughs> so let's go back to last week for a okay. moment and replay Jessica's prediction. that prediction back and see how close you are (laughs) all right (laughs) we should we should be like here's what jessica predicted that would be kind of fun it might be Mm -hmm. so so what did you say you said that a virus is going to make people take their shirts off yes a virus is going to make all of the guys hot on the ship and they're going to take their shirts off all right we'll see if that's what happens in the next (laughs) episode the naked time we'll see if that's what happens jessica you (laughs) predicted that they would encounter a virus mm-hmm. that would make them hot. Yes. And then they would want to take off their clothes. Yes. And Sulu gets the virus on the bridge, or maybe when he gets it when he's scuffling with Tormolan. Either way, he gets the virus. Right, right. The first thing he says when he starts to like wring his hands is, I'm sweating like a bridegroom. So he's hot. Mm-hmm. And then he says, let's go for a workout. And the next time you see him, he's shirtless. 
And running and running down the corridor with a sword. And looking damn good, by the way. Like, there you go. Yes. So so I know you were just kidding. I know you were just kidding. I can't was, believe it was a nobody's... joke, but you were really right on. She's yeah. a very smart girl. She's <laughs> very intelligent. She's not a dummy. She just hasn't seen Star Trek. Uh I can't believe that. I mean, I was wrong on some of this stuff. And by the way, there wasn't nearly as much naked time as it would suggest. Like You get you get Kirk's shoulder at the end there. Oh, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am disdainful. <laughs> um, but Zulu looked great. <laughs> there you go. There was the I like the swashbuckling. Zulu gets to have some fun moments throughout the series throughout the series throughout the and and in some of the movies too uh even in some of the newer movies um Mm -hmm. uh, he gets to play with a sword in in the 2009 star trek too so um they they bring that right back the pacing of the show just did not hold up uh you were talking just saying how you liked the build-up i did not follow it Hardly at all. It was like chaos running on the screen and uh, in the middle of everybody like rubbing their hands and having weird eyes at each other, uh, there was just like scorpion noise. And it was, I kind of felt like the noise was hitting me over the head. Like, I get it. People are getting infected. They could have just done away with that entirely. But the reactions that everybody has are completely scattered. I'm I don't think that the virus thing was very well thought out. L- let me start at the beginning. Was it sentient? Because I got the impression that this was something that was on the planet. It purposefully killed those people. And part of that was it seeped. The first time you see this virus is from a frozen rock, which means it can endure a lot like a virus like a cockroach or something. It's endured a lot and it seeped towards him. So to me, that said sentient, it's going to infect him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's going to use him as a host of some kind. That was never, ever, that didn't go anywhere at all. Nobody established, like they treat it like a cold after that. I was like, okay. That's a real interesting point. So let's talk about that moment. So you're you're talking about the moment on the planet, on Mm Psy 2000, where Tormolin has taken off his glove to rub his nose. Yes. As as one does. When you're in a hazmat suit. When you're in a hazmat suit, you take off your glove to rub your nose. Because you don't rub your nose with the hazmat glove on. You take it off, you rub your nose. And then he puts his hand on the side of the frozen console. And then you get... What for 1960s might have been an interesting effect, mm-hmm. but for us was very clearly just the camera tilted on its side and dripping what looked like red something, maybe blood or some sort of liquid. Right. And then turning it on its side to make it look like it's sort of jumping instead of dripping, which is what we got, right? Right. Yes. But- that right there said purposeful. Yes, I, I totally get that. I right? totally get that. But for the rest of the episode, it's completely ignored and you're fighting it like you would a cold or like you would being drunk. And then my other problem was it didn't affect people in the same timeline. Like it took that first guy from getting it on him, 
getting through medical and going through sick bay and then being at the console. Like there was a, it seemed like a very long time before he wound up enough to stab himself. Yeah. But for the captain later on, it's like he slaps Spock and then all of a sudden he goes crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess he could have been, it's, and Spock himself too is very quickly from her holding his hand, confessing her love, Christine, confessing her love for him. And then like almost immediate, he goes to crying. Let me start with, I got it. (laughs) No, actually, let me start before I say I got it. Hmm. Let me start with what's really in my heart, which is. Uh, I didn't expect this, and yeah. that's okay. <laughs> but it's taking me a moment to like go, but but but, and not want to defend because because my my immediate reaction was to go to defending it, and I don't want to defend anything. That's fair. What I see happening was because of the way that effect looked. I don't think that they ever intended for it to be a sentient virus, but because that's how you saw it. In that effect, and I can totally see how you could see it, especially if it's your first time and you're not sure, and you've got all this other science fiction under your belt. Mm-hmm. You've watched science fiction from the 80s, 90s, you know, into the 2000s and and, and into current day. Yeah. When you see something jump like that, there might be more to it than just he's being infected. I don't think I don't think that was ever the writer's intention and I'll bet that that derailed you a little bit while you were looking for it through the whole through the whole show. I kept expecting the medical side to get kind of technical like not just how we found the antidote and maybe this is previous experience with sci-fi and other things even other mo- disaster movies they they talk about the length of infection and then they monitor somebody who's got the infection and then they find the antidote and it's built up in that way this was completely not that and maybe to me that's why it seemed so chaotic because it took me half the show to realize oh we're treating this like a cold i should let this go and i didn't get that until zulu comes to his senses and he wakes up and he's like I was just on the bridge. What happened? Uh, and and then immediately there's a he's like, oh, we have a we have an antidote, and it's you've been acting like a drunk essentially. There, there's two things going on in this episode that that are the reasons I wanted to to put it, and I wanted to put it fairly early. Mm-hmm. The first is uh, I really like the build. I I like the build, and we could talk about what I like about it and why I thought the pacing worked, and you can show me where it might not have. Um, but the second reason was the character studies and especially the character study of Spock. Um, anybody who has seen this episode can no longer say Spock doesn't have emotions. Absolutely not. He totally does. Yeah. Spock is all about trying to keep them under control and, and so much of who he is, you get to see like when he gets the vibe, regardless of mm-hmm. how you're right. He gets it really quick. Yeah. Um, it's almost immediate. The nurse gets it pretty quick and Joe gets it really slowly. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can, you can, it's, it's when, when you first brought it up, I'm like, well, you know, maybe the Vulcan metabolism is faster and it just, you know, and Kirk was just in a fight. So his, his heart rate is up and that's, right. you know, so, but those are all apologies for parts of the story that just the way they were presented to you didn't give you what you wanted or didn't give you the story they were trying to present. I got it. I'll, I'll cry 
to myself in the shower later. I'll do that. But right now, I'm good. No, it's uh, fine. I'll have other favorite episodes. I promise. This one's. Oh, this I'm was sure. definitely not going to be one of them, though. Um, my my one last nitpick, and I know it's nitpicky, that if this thing had survived on a frozen planet after every all the humans are dead, everybody's just like, okay, cool, we found an antidote. How is this thing not hiding out in some vent somewhere ready to attack next year after it lying dormant? And they just never address any of this stuff. I'm like... How could you just ignore this as a doctor on a on a ship? Yeah, on a ship, by the way, that has no contingency plan for I'm going to hit a red button and we're going to shut things down. Like, that seems like a fairly simple concept that should have been like, we're initiating lockdown. There's they don't initiate any kind of lockdown. And, and I see you rolling your eyes. You're rolling your eyes at O'Reilly, at Captain O'Reilly. He was cute. Uh, he sang that song way too much. I did. Lo- I felt the same way as Captain Kirk. I was like, please make it stop. <laughs> like it worked. That worked for me. You were supposed to. What did you think? Of, what did the, so? So I loved the Captain Kirk's frustration because he, he didn't have the virus until right. late. They saved that and, one and for him. Yet- he was just getting more and more frustrated as he was losing more and more control. And that was one of the parts of the pacing I really liked was Mm -hmm. to see his reaction as he had to take on more and more. Sulu's gone and then Riley's got a problem. And now the, you know, the planet's breaking up more and now can't get into, into engineering. And then, you know, and, and finally when he just blows up, it's at Uhura. Do you remember that moment? When, when she, he says, oh, yeah. cut him off. And she says, I can't cut him off. If he thought I could cut him off, I don't you think? And they both stop. And he apologizes. And he, he apologizes to her. Yes. Uh, there is something I would like to note. And I don't know if other people have, somebody pointed out to me a long time ago. You can count on one hand the times you hear the actual words, I'm sorry, in any kind of television show or movie even. It usually comes in the form of uh, some kind of negotiation or they're they're trying to say they sorry they're the characters will be trying to say they're sorry but they never actually say the words so it struck me re- really nicely the pause he gives and he turns back to her and he says i'm sorry and he doesn't neither those two don't even have the virus at that point no it's it was. A, I thought it was a nice moment of him actually saying, "I'm sorry." It was nice to nice to see that. Yeah, I liked it too. It's it's one of my favorite moments again. Um, yeah, where, where Kirk just recognizes where he's gone over the line, and I, another one of those moments that you got to wonder how hard they might have had to fight to get that to happen, because a white man in a position of authority saying sorry to a black woman. I didn't think about it that way, but even just in the time, I'm not sure where you, not even back then, and not even, like I said, not even with the race card uh, or the gender yeah. card being played, just literally somebody mm-hmm. saying the actual words, I'm sorry. It was, it was an impressive moment. For Captain Kirk, the way when he does get the virus and he loses his mind, uh, I was a little bit disappointed. I thought he played it pretty well. Mm. 
I would have pegged him much more for rage than lovesick because, but I liked the element of control. His entire thing was he did, he controlled himself all the way through until he got to the bridge and was given the shot of the antidote. But I would have pegged him for a lot of anger and rage, all of that frustration, uh, and not lovesick. Hmm. However, him turning to the ship and kind of putting his love and calling her her and that moment that you have, I think they should have played that way more than him wanting to walk on the beach with the Yeoman Beehive, which I should really learn her name, but she's going to forever be Yeoman Beehive in my head. Her name, her name is Janice Rand. The, the character's name is Janice Rand. So Yeoman Janice Rand. Janice. Okay. She was played by an actress named Grace Lee Whitney. And um, she was in uh, uh, the first season and some select other appearances. Is she still around as of 2017? She died a couple of years ago. Aww. She died a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, well, you know, the, the show is 50 years old. And um, uh, 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 wow. I kind of feel a little bummed to let you know that some of the other members of the cast have also passed away since then. Uh, some of them are still around and making frequent appearances at Star Trek conventions and elsewhere. Uh, William Shatner and is, of course, one, and Nichelle Nichols uh, playing Uhura. George Takei. Um, George Takei is still around, and and so is uh, – you haven't met uh, Pavel Chekhov yet. You'll be meeting him in an episode coming up soon. Um, Chekhov was uh, – he comes in a little later on, um, and he's still around too, played by Walter Cohen. The one whose death was most notable, and I, of course, saw this on my social media and everything, was Spock. Leonard Nimoy, yes. Um, Leonard Passed Nimoy. away last year. Yeah. Um, you know, they're getting, they're getting to be older. And that is... Uh, they're never really dead, as long as we remember them. Um, and they were certainly... Mm -hmm. They were certainly looking at trying to create some sort of tension between him and her um you could see that that might have been a part of it but the the scenes where he's confessing his love to the ship right i thought were just so fun and powerful because you know uh, that that moment when he's alone in in the room and he sort of looks up and says i'll never lose you that's his true love yes you know, that's that's ultimately why it's probably never going to work out for this man and another woman is he already has his love. Yeah, that's that's one of the one of the things about Captain Kirk that made him such a hero for me when I was growing up. So there you go. What did you think of Spock's breakdown? Incredibly powerful, especially at the beginning when he's first. You can see it in his eyes when she touches him and uh, goes to his face and she's holding his face in her hands, all of it kind of rushing at him. And I was trying to definitely put myself in that position of here is a man who there's no other Vulcan on this ship. I don't know about the rest of the Federation. Yes, the Federation. But 
if it if this ship is any indication, he's not hanging out with his own people. He's not on his own planet. He has to feel very much alone. And while that may not bother the Vulcan side of him logically, getting that rush of emotion has got to be super powerful. Can you like getting a Vulcan drunk? Okay. So to engage that I loved seeing the look in his eyes when he does that. And I wasn't expecting the crying, but it makes complete sense when you're overwhelmed as a human with emotions. It is the first and natural thing you do is you kind of lose your mind and you start crying. Even when it's good, when you're overwhelmed with beauty, you can start crying. I really love that. I think it went on a little too long when it cuts away and then we come back and he's still crying. Mm-hmm. I think that's when, when he, when he finally puts his head down on the table, I was like, ah, I, I kind of got lost there. I was like, okay. And, I, and then I felt harsh because like, I'm judging Spock while he's crying, but I didn't believe it anymore. Like that first part of it was so mm. powerful. Got it. Well, and, and one of the things that I think about when I thought about the pacing of the show is it is 51 and a half minutes long. I mean, it's almost 52 minutes long. And they did mm-hmm. let some of those moments, some of those scenes linger. That was obviously a very notable one. I noticed a few other areas where they really let something play out. Um, and yeah, when you've got a quarter less the amount of time in a show like we do today, you can't you can't do that. That's why some of the streaming shows that are going on today that are back to the you know fifty plus minutes of mm-hmm. you know they have a little more time for for some of those dramatic moments. I know the second I start thinking, I wonder how hard it was for the actor to sit there and cry like that. You've lost me once I've had that thought, right? Because if I was actively engaged in, oh my God, Spock is crying, I wouldn't be having the thought of, how long did that actor have to do that? Uh, it was so powerful, though, especially at in the beginning, and it picked back up when he's with Kirk again, and he said, and I knew I was going to have every anything that's got Spock in it, I'm going to have a line that I love. He says, the one that hit me this one was, mm-hmm. and it's something like, Every time I look at you or every time I have feelings of friendship, I'm ashamed of myself. And Kirk doesn't react, really. But I think that line should have been given a lot more because I think that's even more powerful than Christine professing her love, which was quite sweet. Um, and even Captain Kirk confessing his love, that he's mm-hmm. his unrequited i could never do this but spock saying i'm ashamed every time i have feelings of friendship for you was just like a punch in the gut (laughs) it's interesting that you wish that there were more for that because that speech spock's spock's breakdown is is one of the more impactful moments in his life as he deals with you know who he eventually becomes and the and the things that he does the show as Part of, the, part of what I love about Star Trek is we get to examine our own humanity through the eyes of someone not human. Right. But when you see this show, you kind of get he is also exploring his life, his, human, his own version of humanity, um, which includes this contradiction of, you know, 
what it is to be Vulcan, what it is to be human, and having both. Um, he talks about his mother, and he could never tell her he loved her. Right. So we, so we now we're talking about his mother. Boy, we are sure talking about Spock's family an awful lot in these episodes, aren't we? We are. He's he's a fascinating character. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if we could meet both his father and his mother? You say this that like, might be really cool, wouldn't that? I feel like you have. This is you're leading me somewhere. <laughs> You, ne- you never know. Mm, I will. You never know. I look know. forward to doing that because I think a woman, like he's, because he mentions what must it have been like? He's feeling shame for not telling her he loved her. Mm. And what, what kind of woman moves to a planet much like he's on this ship, kind of alone with half of him? Nobody's going to get his logical side. Not fully. Mm-hmm. She went to a whole other planet where nobody's going to get her emotional and shame her. Not maybe not shame her, but definitely shame the emotions. What would it be like to live on a planet where a, a the entire planet is full of people for whom emotion is something that they do not want? They don't want it displayed. They don't want it shown. They don't want it. They don't want it out there, and they and a lot of them reject it completely. And here is a human. <laughs> For me personally, that would make me go crazy because I would feel crazier than every person I was around. And I would just reflect my own emotions back on me and I would explode because that sounds insane. It does, doesn't it? You'd like that. Someone like that would be someone you'd like to get to know more, maybe meet and find out a little more about who they were, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway. Uh, and his dad, too, because he fell in love enough to bring a woman to a planet and have a baby with her. We'll see if uh, – oh, come on. This is silly. Of course, of course we're going to explore some of that. Um, there is an episode. It is on my list. Um, it's one of, it's one of uh, my favorites, like you know all the rest of them. And uh, we'll, we'll get to meet Spock's parents. I promise you that. So that's, that is coming. I'm so disappointed in the lack of safety procedures on the Enterprise. I mean, a drunk guy runs into the engine room and says, the captain needs to see you all, and they all go running out, and he locks the door behind them, and that's it? That's all you need to do to take over the Enterprise? This is another one of those examples, (laughs) I think, like we had in A Taste of Armageddon, where you know Spock looks at all the computers and then says, destroy that one, and they'll all go. So what was really going on was this Riley guy Mm -hmm. manipulating his way into doing it. It looked a little fakier to me this time through. That's the bummer. As I'm watching this through your eyes, one thing that I'm seeing is I'm seeing what it's like in comparison to other science science fiction that I know from the you know from the 21st century. Absolutely. And, And I'm comparing, I'm comparing our concepts, which are built on their concepts. To their concepts now, and they don't quite stack up because back then we saw that and thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And then someone said, "Yeah, but what about this?" And then the next show had that included, and pretty soon, you know, and real life had that included. The very ending, I had such a huge problem with the time travel. So I have to ask you this specifically: Do they do this? Ending, particularly because 
it needs to set up time travel in the future for another storyline. It it's hmm, how to answer that question. Sure. Probably. Because they do get into some episodes that involve time travel, some of which we initiate ourselves. In fact, there's an there's a movie about it. It did feel like a little throw-in to me at the end. So badly. So it, it badly. Was, it was it was one of those things where you could feel like, all right, we're setting this up for our potential to use it later. Um, I really liked Kirk's line, we may risk it someday, because it definitely shows, yeah, but not so sure. It, you know, and, and what the hell would have happened if they had gone back to side 2000? Would they have found the Enterprise spiraling down? It opened such a can of worms that were not addressed that it drove me crazy. Um, and I had the same reaction, and I know this is a completely different reference. So for Trekkies who are like, really? You're going to bring that up? Uh, but for those of us who haven't seen Trekkie, we've probably seen Frozen. We're about to give a Frozen spoiler. So if you haven't seen Frozen yet, you might want to skip ahead the next 30 seconds. Okay, keep going. And it was a little bit like finding out Elsa in Frozen can create life. She can literally create life. And the entire movie, it's not addressed. She created life, and no one said a word. Oh, my God. Um, I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> he says they're going to have a formal dance in the bowling alley at blah, 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 blah. And like 10 seconds later, there's another planetary shift, and everything shakes. And at that moment, all I could picture was all the bowling pins at the bowling alley flying into the air all at once as the ship once again, spirals down to the bottom of the planet. How do you have a bowling alley on a ship that's shaking around as much as that one does? <laughs> I have the technical manual. I have the the enterprise, the original Enterprise blueprints. There is there is no bowling alley that I can find in any of that stuff. I will mention the moment when Sulu is taking down the guy when he's about to stab himself with the knife and it pans to the other people and they're just like, oh my, what is going on over there? And they just sit there. Yes, they're all they're all sitting there. Yes, the, the reaction shots are... Uh, they don't even like jump out of the way or jump in yeah. to the fight. Right, help out, call for help. Just nothing. They're just like, I guess I'll just eat my lunch here. What is that? All it is for bad people to win is for good people to do nothing. <laughs> I don't think that was the message they were trying to get across here. Because I have to say, this one is getting two ripped up captain's t-shirts out of five. Two ripped up captain's t-shirts. Two. It was... Wow. Yes. Two out of five. That's interesting. Um... I'm a little, I'm a little brokenhearted. I'll tell you that. I really am. Um, it's, it's okay. I'll get over it. <laughs> this is good. If you, if you liked this one, would you recommend others? One of the things that I really liked about this episode were a couple of the guest stars, um, both recurring guest stars that I want to talk about. Um, uh, Kevin Riley 
is uh, in a couple more episodes. We'll see him again. We're not going to- Captain O'Reilly. Not not Captain O'Reilly, but Kevin <laughs> Riley, the lieutenant, who um, when he's not all infected by, by a party drug, uh, has other stories to tell. Uh, and Conscience of the King is an episode that you may want to watch with Kevin Riley, uh, where he's figured prominently. Conscience of the King- uh, and then if you want to see uh, more about Nurse Chapel, oh my goodness, Nurse Chapel shows up all over the place. Cool. Um, yes, Nurse Chapel. Do they keep her love story with Spock or her infatuation going? They do. Yay! They that makes do. me happy, actually. She, and in fact, I, that, that, in fact, I'm going to back up. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Okay. So, so um, Majel Barrett, who later became Majel Barrett Roddenberry, is the actress who plays Christina Chapel. Oh. Yes. All right. And we're going to see her next week, too. Okay. Um, in, in an episode that will, she, 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 the actress Majel Barrett will be in next week's episode as well. Uh, but Majel Barrett got to be uh, in the original pilot of the original series, an episode called The Cage. Is that what we're watching next? Yes, that's what we're going to okay. watch. We're going to go back. For for those of you who have been saying, "What the heck? What? Why is he not showing the cage? Come on, get to the. Will you get to the cage already? <laughs> we're get we're getting to the cage. So uh, this week's episode will be the cage, um, starring uh, Jeffrey Hunter as Captain Christopher Pike. Okay, so no Kirk and Leonard Nimoy as Mister Spock. Okay, also starring Majel Barrett. So you'll get to see her in the role that she originally had been cast in. And then she was offered the role of Christine Chapel, which she turned down until Roddenberry was able to convince her that this was a really interesting role because Christine Chapel was in love with Mr. Spock. Okay. I'm glad they don't just like leave that alone because that's kind of a big thing that happened in this episode I just watched. It would be sad if it just like disappears. Prior to all that, or in addition to that, she had another love interest. And uh, for those of you that um, would like to see another episode of Christina Chapel that we're not going to explore, um, What Are Little Girls Made Of <laughs> is a fantastic episode. One of my favorites. Ha! Uh, and we'll meet Roger Corby and um, uh, learn a little bit more about Christine Chapel's past. So uh, that gives you a couple of other episodes to watch in between. Uh, but I guess we've already pretty much told people for the next episode, we'll be watching the original series pilot from the original pilot. So this one, you got to look for it should be the very first episode, but make sure that you are looking at the episode, the cage, the cage. Okay, so we're looking for the cage. The cage, and it should be first. Yes, it's gonna All look. Right. It's gonna look a little different. We certainly have a bunch of different actors, and what I'm curious to see is what you think are are, are some of the differences. But now that you've gotten to meet Captain Kirk, okay, and you've gotten to meet this Mister Spock and Doctor McCoy and the rest of the crew of the Enterprise, what do you think of who we're gonna meet in the original idea? So we'll see what you think, and then we'll talk about it. Cool. I wonder if there's things that I'm going to actually like better about the original, original idea. 
I, I don't know. I don't know. That's, I want to, now I really kind of want to see, not kind of, now I really want to see it, what little girls are made of. That sounds like a great episode. You're more than welcome to go back and watch, Jessica. You know, I, I know you said you'd only watch, you said you'd only watch one episode and I totally got that. But what are little girls made of is a first season, very early on episode. That's a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, uh, with some, some fun and interesting guest stars and guys, Trekkie guys, especially. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who who remember Andrea uh, and that outfit that Andrea wears, uh, that'll be fun to revisit. Now I really want to go see it. <laughs> and uh, Dr. Roger Corby. So, so yeah, if you want to go back and watch that, I'd be curious to see what you have to say about it if you just want to bring it up next week. Okay. But we won't be talking about that for our main. No. We will be talking about- The Cage. The Cage. Yes. So if you want to watch The Cage with me, I'm going to be doing that on the 1st of October- at 6 p.m. Mountain Time, I'll be tweeting out my first reactions there. So I want to hear your thoughts, too. Tweet back at me at Begin the Trek or look for the hashtag BTT or the hashtag The Cage. There you go. There you go. So live reactions to your, uh, to your experiences. First time. Really exciting. I've been having fun so far. This has actually been really just a really fun thing to do every week. I just want yeah. to, you don't know that. And I hope other people out there are having fun with it. Like I hope other newbies like me are getting the same fun out of it. I really do. I, I hope so too. I hope, I hope that this is uh, one of the things that I've discovered when I, when I meet people is there's always like one Star Trek fan in the group. You know, they all point to him and they all know who it is. They all know who the Star Trek fan is and they all are interested, but there's like that disconnect that keeps them from doing it. And so a lot of people are like, all right, this is like the thing. So it's not him driving me. It's something else. And that seems like that works. That works for people. Maybe we'll find out. I'll be, I'll be the noob with you. So it's been fun. Yes. Okay. You can take that out too because we're PG and we can't have that word in there. That's right. We can't have that word. I will not have the word. <laughs> no, don't worry. Trust me on that. <laughs>